Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 230 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you, Jason? I am very well, Chaddington. The Reds haven't lost a game this week. It's true. It's true. They are undefeated in October, I believe. It's a terribly exciting time to be a Reds fan. Boy, they're just... I mean, nobody is beating them in the playoffs. That's that's the truth. That is a fact. That is absolutely a fact. Um we want to talk about. There's still some things to talk about, even though it's the uh, it's playoff time, which means that the red season is over. So, but let's let's go ahead and dive right in. A couple things I wanted to mention right off the top, and I didn't warn you before we started that I was going to do this, but I'm gonna I'm going to uh, do a couple promos here. I'm going to plug Ooh. some stuff, Jason. Plugs. <laughs> uh, I did an interview with WVXU John Keysweater at uh, WVXU, which is Cincinnati's public radio. Um, yeah. And did a sort of a long form interview about the Big Fifty. Uh, wait a minute, I got to say it the right way. The Big Fifty: The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. That's a book that I wrote with Chris Garber. You've probably heard of it. Um, I, I've heard a few things. Okay, good. Well, it's a great book. It's really it's it. I was shocked when it was not uh, shortlisted for the National Book Awards that that came out this year. The, oh, this week it wasn't. I didn't see that. Oh. It was, it was shocking. Well, it is the best Cincinnati Reds book that came out in 2018. And, that uh, for sure. Yeah, I'm comfortable saying that. Actually, there's another good one. I better not say that because uh, uh, the Tony My Perez book was good. Arrived. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> John Rorty's Tony Perez book is really good, too. But uh, but I Did like you, this one better. Yeah. What's that? My tuck-in has arrived. Ah, Jason has to do a tuck-in. I will be right back. Okay. Okay, I'm back. Are you back, Jason? I'm back. Tuck in accomplished. Jason is a parent, and he had to tuck in uh, one of the kiddos. Yes. Did- yes, they, they expect parental duties to be fulfilled, so I had to go fulfill one. Parental duties take precedence over even the world's most dangerous podcast. And also this podcast. <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on. Okay, so back where we were. Thank you for being a good father, Jason. Um I did an interview with WVXU uh, FM in Cincinnati. It was back in July we did this interview, and it's a sort of a long-form interview about the book, and it veered off into Red's history more than just specifically the book. The Big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, w- <laughs> What's that? The largest 50. Oh, it was the largest. That's true. Um, so anyway, that interview is a really good interview. Uh, I went into the studio there at uh, WVXU, and we recorded uh, really the most in-depth interview I've done about the book. And so they're going to replay this Saturday night, 7 o'clock. So anyone who missed it the first time, you can you can listen to it. And I'll have a link at Red Ignition that comes up on uh, Sunday. Um, the other thing 
that I wanted to just quick promo that I want to mention is uh, next Saturday, October the 20th, from 10 a.m. to 4, uh, they're having the Books by the Banks, the Cincinnati Regional Book Festival, uh, downtown at the Duke Energy Convention Center. And Chris Garber and I will be there. And we're also going to be, uh, they're going to have a panel discussion about the, uh, about the Reds during the day. And I'll have to find out what that time is, and I'll say it on the podcast next week. But uh, Saturday, October 20th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Books by the Banks uh, at the Duke Energy Convention Center. We'll be there. You can get a book, uh, or if you have your, already have a book, bring it in, get it signed, and uh, you get to meet me. That's exciting, right, Jason? I, You know, having met you, I can confirm that it is a sensation. <laughs> We're not going to ask what that sensation <laughs> is. All right, let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds because that's really why we're here. Jason, have, have you heard of this guy named Joey Votto? I have heard of this guy named Joey Votto. Do you have any thoughts about him? He's amazing. <laughs> well, that's putting it lightly. So uh, we've, we've talked about it on here, and I've, I've been shouting about it for a while now, but, but he is now officially, the, the regular season is over. So the list of players who led the league an on-base percentage at least seven times is officially as follows. We'll go in reverse order. We'll start currently. Joey Votto, Barry Bonds, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, Ty Cobb. That is your complete list. That can't be true. Can I say it again? Please do. I want to hear it again. Joey Votto, Barry Bonds, Ted Williams. Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, and Ty Cobb. That is such an absurd list to get yourself on. Yeah, I mean these are inner circle Hall of Famers. And it's not like it's not like one of those weird lists where it's like, you know, uh, which like six players have done this in a single game or whatever. No, no, it's like a career length right. achievement. Um, and you know, I made an argument a while ago that it, it, it effectively made him a Hall of Famer on his own. Um, and I think I think that's the case. I really do. Um, what's really even more amazing, though, is that um, if he does it one more time, then he will have done it eight times. And the list of people who have done it uh, eight or more times is, I believe, it's just Barry Bonds, Ted Williams, and Babe Ruth. Oh my goodness! Yeah, like that's that's some company, isn't it? It really One is. Greatest hitters in the history of baseball, and it's it's not a, a stretch to to say that I I expect him to lead the league in on base percentage at least one more time. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, it certainly I, would not be surprising. Right? Yeah, I mean, he, he may not by by a healthy margin this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to. So that's that's crazy. What about nine years? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, okay, so I've got it all in front of me now. So eight. So Cobb would go off the list if he does it. If if Votto does it seven times, so Hornsby would still be there. Hornsby did it eight times, um, and then Ruth did it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times, and Williams did it like every year he qualified. Basically, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve times. Would have been fifteen Bonds, if not for the war, yeah. Yeah. Bonds was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. So yeah, so it's Hornsby would still be on the list, but the, the list would then be uh Votto, Bonds, <laughs> Williams, Hornsby, Ruth. 
That's that's outrageous. It's it's already outrageous, and it just gets more outrageous. Is Joey Votto good at baseball? He's fantastic at baseball. He's so perfect, and we're so lucky to have him with the Reds. Whatever. I bet he has more losses in his career than anybody that's active in Major League Baseball. Let me go. Do I need to drive to Virginia to beat you up? <laughs> well, for many reasons, the answer to that is yes. All right. I'm on my way. Add that one to the list. Um, wow. It's, you know, the season's over, and still, you just sort of have to marvel at you Joseph Daniel Votto. You still, uh, you still marvel over him over coffee? Yeah, I do. I do occasionally. The, the school year has been rather busy, and it's uh, it's prevented a lot of marveling. But in the off season, it tends to happen, you know, periodically on weekends and things like that. Um, yeah, if you don't follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Linden, you should be because uh, occasionally he just has to do his coffee and vado and just marvel over uh, Joey in the mornings as he's having his his daily coffee. Yes, trying yeah, to wake I'm, yourself up a little bit. Coffee, and we stare at Joey Votto's. Uh, numbers and we think happy thoughts. Yeah. You dream about him all night and then a little coffee wakes you up and you're still dreaming about him. That's you got it. All right. Uh, Jason, thank you for the, another Joey Votto tidbit. I can't, uh, you, you are most fully and entirely welcome. (laughs) I encourage good things about us to be said about Joey Votto at every turn. Now uh, let's, uh, let's dive back into a segment that we really sort of debuted uh, in a way last week with Bill Lack on the podcast that we're calling viewer mail, even though nobody's actually viewing this podcast, but I don't know. I like viewer mail. So that's what I'm calling it. Wouldn't it be listener mail? No, stop. No, it's viewer mail. Man, I'm an English teacher. I can't ignore that. All right. Listen to me, man. Your words, Mr. Dotson. David Letterman called it viewer mail. Huh? David Letterman called it viewer mail. Why shouldn't well, I be able David to? David Letterman had viewers. Listen, it's just semantics, man. <laughs> yes, and you're talking to an English teacher. <laughs> well, it's viewer mail. I don't care what you say. It's All right, mail. fine. All right, excellent. Oh, man, I did it. I sufficiently broke down the English teacher. Um, and this, and you can uh, ask us a question. Chad Dotson at RedLegNation.com is where you send the uh, the questions for our viewer mail segment. We answered a few last week, and one was from John Juan. And John's back again this week. He actually has a couple of questions. All right. The uh, the first question, although I, I do want to note first, he said, kudos for saying my last name right. Even with my ridiculous accent. John Juan, baby. Well, you are you are an educated man. <laughs> well, sort of. You, you went to some colleges. That's true. They don't claim me, but you learned some things. Um, I didn't. I didn't major in English. Well, you know, we can't. We can't all make that particular choice. <laughs> That's true. Um. So anyway, John's first question is this: uh, Are we allowed to ask non-baseball related questions? You want yes. to tackle that one? Please. Yes. Yes. Sure. Ask whatever you want. I don't care. Just a dumb podcast, and especially this off season where there's not going to be a ton to talk about with Reds uh, related material. Do it. But he did have a Reds related uh, item, and so here's John's question: Is there a world where the Reds sign Clayton Kershaw this off season? Dodgers left-hander Clayton Kershaw. What does that world look like? And if he was the only pitcher signed, would that be enough to bring the Reds from the brink of utter annihilation? So Clayton Kershaw, Dodgers lefty, generally acknowledged as the best pitcher in the world right now. I think that's fair to say. I actually 
don't. I don't think he's the best pitcher right now. Grief, here we go again. Sorry. There he goes again. There he goes again. Um, I think so. I'll. I'll. Can I? Can I take the first full crack at this? Yeah. You. You. Let me. Let me just preface it before you do. He. He signed uh, his contract. He's actually got two more years on the contract after this year, 2019, 2020. But he has an opt out this year, and uh, he's due to make 32 and 33 million the next two years. But he can. He can opt out and sign wherever he wants if he wishes after this year. So, um, what are your thoughts? Well, so first, to go a little bit down a non-baseball path, um, current theoretical physics tells us that all possible things happen somewhere. So yes, a world exists in which the Reds sign Clayton Kershaw in the offseason. That's number one. Uh, the, the second thing I would say, though, is that it is extremely unlikely, and no, I don't think it brings the Reds back from the brink. You know, I think... Clayton Kershaw is an excellent pitcher, um, but he has not been healthy for a full season for the last three years. Uh, so there are some injury issues. And he was not anywhere near the best pitcher in the league this year. That uh, that honor, I would believe, goes to Mr. Jacob deGrom, um, who lapped the entire field several times this year. Um, I, I think that the Reds need at least two starting pitchers. Um Added to the to the club to to take them from from the brink uh, as as it was as it was put. I do think that if they were to get Degrom, then we enter into a realm that I like to call, yeah, okay, maybe. You you think that Degrom is that good of a bet to be that much better than Kershaw? Um, the next two years. Well. He's older than Kershaw, I think, right? They're like exactly the same age. Okay. I think yeah. Kershaw's a few months older, maybe. Okay. Um, well, DeGrom has thrown 418 innings the last two years for a total of 13.1 wins above replacement, according to fan graphs. And uh, young Mr. Kershaw has thrown 300 and... Uh, I'm not a math teacher. I'm an English teacher. 335, six, 336 innings the last two years for 8.1 wins above replacement. Who would you rather have? I was told there would be no math. Well, sorry. <laughs> I want so, them both. Yeah, oh, I do too. But if I had to pick one, I'm taking, I'm taking DeGrom. What about this? Sign Kershaw, trade for DeGrom. Boom. Playoffs. I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's go. With Kershaw, you know, it's tough because I do think that you can make an argument that he's the best pitcher. I think he's got the injury issues, but when healthy, the best pitcher. Let's put it that you, way. You can make the argument. The argument would be wrong, but you're used to being wrong, so it's okay. You know, I, I recall two weeks ago today, <laughs> literally two weeks ago today, I banned you from this podcast. And then you invited me back because you're a sucker. <laughs> Gosh, what was I thinking? I don't know. And I remember why I banned you, but I'm not going to mention it again. But, uh, wow. All right, anyway, let's finish this thing because this is your final episode <laughs> of the podcast. Let's just go ahead and finish it. But the problem with Kershaw is injury. I mean, I want Clayton Kershaw on my team. If I thought he could be healthy all season, absolutely. I think he's probably worth what he'd get paid. It would have to be somewhere north of $32 million. Um, 
Though, interestingly, I'm not entirely sure that Clayton Kershaw would get $32 million this offseason. Well, if that's the case, then he, he has no reason to opt out because he's guaranteed right. that. Like, I'm, not, I'm not convinced he will necessarily yeah. opt out. Right. No, I don't think he will opt out. But uh, for him to opt out, he's got to be guaranteed he's going to get more than 32. Yeah, and that, he's not. Or, or you know, he only has two more years on his contract. He has to think he'll get, you know, five years or something from someone. Probably, yeah. Um, that might be the reason to do it. But I, I just – I'm okay with the Reds spending whatever whatever they can spend. We've had that discussion before. I just – a guy with that kind of injury history, I don't care if he is one of the elite pitchers in baseball. Man, that's tough. It's tough to do, especially if that's the only guy you go out and get. But, yeah, no, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't I don't think he does it on his own. I don't either. I don't either because of the uh, the age doesn't bother me as much, except in terms of how uh, his injury history uh, is. He's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna get any healthier as he gets older. You wouldn't think so. No, yeah. Um, as, as much as I would love to see Clayton Kershaw in a red uniform, I'm not sure that it makes a ton of sense if if he opts out because there can be a lot of teams uh, in that uh, bidding war. And just for the price, it's going to – and, again, you and I have talked about it. We're not uh, saying that the Reds shouldn't be in on every pitcher that's out there. Everybody. Everybody. You know, money should not be an object, but you can't be crazy. And, you know, if he's going to – at that rate, I just don't know if it makes sense because it's going to maybe prevent you from getting someone else. Yeah. Um, Jacob deGrom, if the Mets decide to break it down, put him on the trade market, that's a guy I break the bank for, though. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, Absolutely. One hundred percent. Like I mean, Jacob Degrom, take your pick from our farm system. Absolutely, I'd even trade like uh, Luis Alberto Bonilla. <laughs> I'd trade him for Degrom, wouldn't you? Straight up. Uh, yes, Straight I would. Up. I would trade anybody except for Nick Senzel for Jacob Degrom. You wouldn't trade Nick Senzel straight up for Jacob Degrom. No, because Degrom only has two years of team control left. Oh, man, I'd be tempted. My three, I'm not sure about the logistics of his particular service time, but I'd be tempted. Ooh, boy, three years of Jacob Degrom, that that I might do. Two, I don't think I would do. Two is a line for me. I don't think I'd trade Senzel for two years of any player, unless it was Mike Trout. Two World Series rings look pretty good. Yeah, but I think you need more than Jacob Degrom for a World Series ring. I agree. The Reds need, and, and here's one one place where we do actually agree: they got to get at least two pitchers, and so yeah. You know, um, I don't know. Trade for DeGrom, sign Patrick Corbin, or Dallas Keuchel. I actually prefer Dallas Keuchel, even though he's older. Um, just given the, 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 the type of pitcher he is, I think he fits better in Great American Ballpark. Sign Keuchel, trade for DeGrom or somebody. Boom, we're there. All right, so anyway, that's uh, that's uh, viewer mail. Viewer mail. I look forward to the slew of non-baseball questions that we get. Sure, bring them on. Bring them on. We're really going to be talking about Chad's accent a lot in the future. <laughs> Everybody loves this accent. Well, it's you know it's dulcet. It is dulcet, I guess. Um, so anyway, uh, email me Chad Dotson at RedLegNation dot com uh, with any viewer mail questions and uh, about baseball, not about baseball, about the Reds, about uh, the Bengals. If you want me to answer something, I don't know anything about whatever. Just uh, just send them to us, and we'll, uh, we'll answer them. You can also, uh, if you want to shoot us a question on Twitter, at Red Leg Radio is the uh, podcast's uh, Twitter handle, at Red Leg Nation or at Jason Linden, and I'm at Dotson C. So anyway, let's get into some of the news of the week because there's not a whole lot going on in Red's uh, town this uh, time of year, but there are a few things coming out in the news, and 
we need to talk about him. That's why we're here. Nick Senzel is the first one. You just mentioned Nick Senzel. Do you remember that just a minute ago? I do. Yeah, well, there was a couple of pieces of news that broke back-to-back kind of about Nick Senzel. The first of those is that he has uh, been working out in left field and center field. And, and of course, the Reds uh, said uh, no reason he should, couldn't play center field full-time. Now, that was, I don't know. you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what they're telling us. So shortly thereafter, it was announced that he's going to have surgery on his elbow. Bone spurs in his elbow. Not going to be able to play in the Arizona Fall League because of it. Uh, he's, it's been bothering him pretty much all year, and they're waiting until right now on the eve of the Arizona Fall League to scope him, and he uh, should be fully healthy. There's no reason to think he won't be fully healthy by spring yeah. training, but um, yet another injury, sort of an injury, I guess, uh, you know, uh, but another setback for Nick Senzel. What are your thoughts, Jason? Um, well, it's a bummer. Um, the, the center field thing is encouraging. I can live with Nixon Zell in center field for it's sure. Intriguing. I mean, it's intriguing. You know, the, uh, the various systems of measurement kind of indicate that center field might actually be a little bit more important than second base defensively. Um, you know, that's not one of those things that's, that's nailed in stone yet, but it's certainly at least as important. Yeah, as, they're in the as, neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're close to each other. Um, so that's nice. It, as far as the injury, I mean, it's a bummer, but, I also feel like this is a year, you know, like I, I made the mistake of reading the comments on a few things and it's like, you know, people are like, he's a bust. He's never going to be good ever. And it's just like, man. Were you trying to mock my accent there just now, Jason? Why are you a baseball fan? No, no. I was mocking the yeah, dumb people because dumb people have accents like mine. That's what you're saying. Chad, I didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> But you're right. That is, that is, so people are, are pessimistic, but I think if there's anything like sometimes, and I think we've seen this before, if you think back, players have these injuries that are like, they'll have a couple of what amount to one-off injuries. They're not the kinds of injuries that typically become chronic. You know what I mean? Like lots of guys at some point have to have some bone spurs removed and it's not an issue long-term, you know, like things just happen. The same so with the just, injury that knocked him out for the rest of the season. That happens, you yeah, know. The finger. Uh, so, so it's one of those things that none of these are injuries where you're like, oh, well, that's going to be chronic and ruin his career. It's like, nah, he just kind of had bad luck this year. Well, it's his non-throwing arm. The elbow on his yeah. non-throwing arm is one thing. Uh, the other, what frustrates me is, you know, he said it was bothering him most of the year. If they'd have done this, you know, right around the same time that they did the uh, surgery on his finger, he'd be ready to go for Arizona Fall League. And it really kind of frustrates me that they didn't take care of it back then. And I don't know why um, it would have been better because he would have gotten some uh, reps in game action in center field. But, okay, is what it is. It, there's no reason to think that this shows that he's more injury prone than the next guy or that he's not going to be ready for spring training. I do yeah. think it gives him a ready excuse to keep him down in AAA for, you know, the next two and a half seasons. <laughs> But I'm cynical. Um, well, it sure gives them an excuse to keep them down for two weeks. Yes, yes. Uh, but I may uh, sort of hesitate with my criticism a little bit if, in fact, he's the center fielder for the Cincinnati Reds this year. I think that news is, uh, you know, I, can he play it? Who knows? I don't know. But if he can't handle center field... And you know I'm the world's biggest Billy Hamilton fan. You know, Billy Hamilton's a comic book superhero. He is. It's true. I have seen him leap tall buildings in a single bound. Yes. And now he needs to do it as a pinch runner and a fourth outfielder. Because if Nick Senzel can play center field, 
you pluck him in for Billy Hamilton, and all of a sudden, I, I don't think it's you know just Chad being dumb to say that's one of the better offenses in the National League. Just making that switch. Well, in fact, I I actually wrote that very thing on one website, Red Leg Nation, that you may be familiar with. RedLegNation.com. I've heard of it. You're not even reading my own columns on the on your website. <laughs> I, I I read that, Jason. Oh, sure you did. Uh huh. <laughs> Okay, sorry about that. But anyway, Chad, what did, what did you say? <laughs> I've been waiting forever for a chance to ban Chad from the podcast, and it has come. You are banished. This is the final episode ever of the podcast. Um, Join us next week for books with Jason. <laughs> right, yes. Did you do your homework this week, listeners? <laughs> the world's most dangerous book podcast. Um <laughs> No, seriously. I mean, uh, that's a game changer. We said yeah. this before the season about him playing shortstop, but I think it's it's a sort of a similar game changer. If he can play center field, that's an area of need for the Reds, if he can play it competently yeah. defensively. Yeah. I mean, then you get into a circumstance where the worst hitters in the lineup are Jose Peraza and Tucker Barnhart. And they're not awful. And they're not awful, and they're above average for their positions. And frankly, the worst hitters in your lineup are supposed to be your shortstop and catcher. All right. Yeah. Like if that's where your worst hitters are, then you're doing fine probably. Like everybody else can hit and and like it's not like and again neither of them are slouches. Like Jose Peraza seems to be about league average now. And uh and Tucker Barnhart, you know, just a tick below league average and both of those will more than do at shortstop and catcher. Yeah, and you live with uh Hamilton Irvin as your backup outfielders. You can live with that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah so I think actually Billy Hamilton is kind of the perfect fourth outfielder, frankly. I do too. And he may be a luxury, maybe too expensive, uh, maybe a luxury for a team that's not going to compete. But if the Reds can get to where they can compete, if they go all in this uh, off season, don't you? Don't you like here? Do you want to? You want to take a walk down Billy Hamilton Lane with me? Oh, I would love to. Let's, let's imagine. Let's imagine the following circumstance, okay? Billy, seventh, seventh inning. It's a tie game, right? Okay, I like the. I like it. The Reds aren't losing. Jesse Winker comes up, and and in very Jesse Winker fashion, he reaches base via the walk. He draws a base on balls. Okay, I can see it. You bring in one Mr. William Hamilton to pinch run, who promptly scores a run on, like, a check swing ground ball and, like, you know, a sneeze. (laughs) Right, Um, yeah. And then saves and thus giving the Reds the lead and then saves what would otherwise have been the tying run in center field where he is now flanked by Senzel and Shebler. Yes, yeah, he's uh, won the gap. Right. In like say the ninth inning and the Reds go home winners. Okay. And what and now let's also if we're gonna let's, might, let's extend this. Okay. That's the wild card game next year. Rad. See? Um, I'm up for it. Let's I mean, go. You know, yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up. I mean, I don't know. Billy may be too expensive for that, but I, I don't see why. He can bring Yeah, value. he is technically speaking a non-tender candidate with his likely arbitration raise, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the Reds are going to I, I would be very surprised if the Reds didn't tender a contract to Billy Hamilton just because, hey, the owner likes him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's not go there. Let's not go there. Um. So Dick Williams, the Reds uh, – President of Baseball Operations about Nick Senzel said, um, played mostly left field, also some center field while getting the instruction from teams coaches uh, this fall and was going to see some action in both 
Arizona Fall League, but Williams said he was just getting exposed to both. It was more at this point about the concept of stretching your arm out to make a different throw than you're used to and understanding the positioning. We'll see when we get him in live games how the instincts will play out there. We've always been optimistic about that because he's always been a very instinctual ball player. First of all, the Reds should have had him playing center field in in, uh, Louisville this year, if there was a chance of that. And secondly, what that tells me is there is zero, and Wick Terrell over at our, our buddy, one of our buddies over at redreporter.com uh, wrote this earlier today. I think this makes it a 100% guarantee that Scooter Jeanette is signed to a deal that extends past this season. Probably. I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't see any other, I don't know. A lot and, of things could happen, but I just, I don't boy, see it. Boy, boy, people get mad about Joey Votto's contract. Yeah, wait till they sign Nixon Zell or uh, Scooter Jeanette for six years. Yeah, yeah. Wait till you've got thirty-six-year-old Scooter Jeanette limping out there to second second base to watch ground balls roll slowly past his like withered stumps of legs. Yeah, we'll hear uh, we'll hear Tom Brenneman saying, "Oh, another one past a diving Scooter Jeanette." Yeah, and then once in a while he'll fall over and land on a ball that's directly next to him, and you'll hear, "What a play!" Yeah, give him an extension. Um, ah, wait, listen, we're going to get accused of hating on Scooter. I like Scooter. I don't want the Scooter to be uh, signed to a six-year contract to the, for the Cincinnati Reds. Scooter is a good player. He can hit. He's bad defensively. He's very bad defensively, but he can hit, and that's fine. And he's probably going to cease to be a useful player at about age 33. Yeah. I mean, that's just based on what we've seen from similar right. uh, guys who had a similar yeah, rise at his just- age. It's just statistics. It's, you know, one of the things that I try to do periodically is like, uh, not all the time because it's fun to be an optimistic fan, but, but sometimes I try to be like, if this guy played on another team and I didn't follow him every day, like what, what would I think he would do? Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that's the thing that other people need to do with Scooter Jeanette. Well, we tend Uh, to get to, you know, attached to him because he hit four home runs and, you know, he's been good for the Reds. Single game. But but now he's had two good seasons for this team. He has no, he's legit. I'm not I'm not claiming otherwise. Not and I don't want it to seem as though I am. But I also at the same time think that it is unlikely that he will continue to have good seasons um, for you know uh, on into history forever and ever. What do you think the Reds do with Scooter this year? I mean, if if you had to bet the ranch on something, baseman. he's a starting second baseman this year. But yeah. but what do you see him? You see him? Is he a, a trade candidate? In July, is he? Um, I don't think so gonna... because I think the second base is too deep. Well, then they're going to have to sign him, or they just let him go. Yeah, that is absolutely not happening. They did it with Zach Cozart, I guess. I mean, honestly, I think letting him go might be the best end of the deal. It depends on how people advance. Like if Tremel advances well this year, then slot him into the outfield and move Senzel to second. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if you can't, you know, there too. if you think you can be de- decently competitive this year with Scooter Jeanette, but that he's not necessarily part of the long-term plan, then be decently competitive with Scooter Jeanette. Like, that's fine. You can do that. I'm not going to yell at you if you make decisions that are like, you know, that revolve around actually being competitive this year. Yeah. And I think he does help him this year. Um with his bat, I, you know, and I don't mind. I think you can make an argument for signing for you know, two, three more years. Any more yeah, than that, and you I'm start. Agree though. What's that? 
Not more than three. No, at that point you start getting to the point where it's really not likely that he's going to be uh, able to earn. And, you know, it's Brandon Phillips, yeah, again, uh, who was a disaster at the end of his contract. So, yeah, I'm going to, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to interject here. I don't think that you get value out of Scooter like you did out of Phillips. Yeah, he, he held his longer than we thought he would. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think Phillips is, is the best case scenario for somebody like Scooter. Well, and, and Phillips, you know, um, he had a, he had a ways to go defensively to drop off. You know, he was, he yeah. progressively he put, got worse every year, but he was still pretty good. As much as people might not want to hear it, Brandon Phillips's peak was a whole lot higher than Scooter Jeanette's peak. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Give me peak, uh, Brandon Phillips over peak Scooter Jeanette any day of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And now we don't have to kick each other off the podcast because everyone has given up and stopped listening. Yeah, everybody's mad at us now. Cause we both hate Scooter. <laughs> No, I mean I'm 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 good with Scooter being the second baseman for the Reds next year. I just you know uh, it's the last year of control they have over him, and so there are going to be some interesting choices that have to be made. You know, uh, you're right. Uh, even the trade market this off season is pretty uh, pretty deep for second baseman. So yeah, are the Reds going to be able to uh, get anything for him? Uh, is what he's going to want to sign for? Is it going to be worth signing him for in terms of the length of the contract, or can he get more out there? Maybe he goes. I don't know. The Reds just let him go. If the Reds just let him go, it will probably be very likely that they got the value of the three best seasons of Scooter Jeanette's career. Yeah, you know. for sure. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Right. So, um, but man, it's going to be a PR disaster if they just just let him walk at the end of next year. Yeah, yeah. P- and yeah. PR means a lot to Reds owner Bob Castellini. It does seem to. Yeah. No comment. No comment. We're not talking about ownership today, even though we already have a couple times. So anyway, Nick Senzel, another surgery. Um, he's a bust, they tell us on Facebook. And, he's uh, over. <laughs> he's done. But uh, I don't know. The news about him being a center fielder is much more encouraging to me than I am discouraged about the uh, the elbow surgery because it's bone spurs. They go in there and they clean it out a little bit. And that ha- a lot of people, a lot of players have that. So. A lot of just, uh, I don't know about you, but a lot of just grown adult men have that. Like, you just don't need surgery for it because you're not a professional athlete. Like, I I have a bone spur in my knee. It almost never bothers me except for every once in a while I'm down on the floor with the kids and it floats its way into a delicate place. And then, boy, that's unpleasant. Yeah, now imagine you're trying to be an athlete yeah. for a living. Well, you know. I, I'm not trying to be an athlete, so... Right, yeah. So that's it's not a it's not something to worry about this surgery and it's a simple procedure and he's gonna come back fine. It's just I hate they didn't get it done six months ago or four months ago, and I hate that uh he's not gonna get a chance to play in the Arizona Fall League a little bit just to get some reps in center field. So but that's gonna be yet another question mark the Reds are gonna have going into two thousand nineteen. So many question marks. What um, are you talking about? They have a plan. I'm looking forward to figuring out what that plan is. Um, let's talk about uh, another question mark that the Reds have. The Reds don't have a manager. Did you know that? I did. And I mean, really, it's an improvement, right? (laughs) Really? No manager is better than Jim Riggleman. Is that what you're telling me? Um, I don't, if you're going to put words in my mouth, I guess those are words you could put in there. How is it possible that that could be the case? Because, you know, back in July, everyone was ready to go ahead and uh, sign uh, Jim Riggleman, give him the permanent job as the Reds manager. Everyone. Not everyone, Chadwick. Well, every newspaper and website that covers the Reds on a daily basis, other than RedLegNation.com, um, all the official media sources, hey, why don't we go ahead and give him the job? Ugh. 
Well, the Reds have uh, already interviewed 11 managerial candidates. And let's see if I can run through them. Jim Riggleman, uh, he was the interim manager. Uh, former Red Sox manager John Farrell. Former Yankees manager Joe Girardi. Uh, David Bell, he's Giants vice president of player development, but he's been with the Cardinals and been with the who else? The Cubs the last few years and also managing the Reds uh, minor league system. Uh, Brad Osmus, former Tigers manager. Giants bench coach Hensley Bam Bam Mullins. Tampa Bay uh, bench coach Charlie Montoyo. Pittsburgh bench coach Tom Prince. And then, of course, Pat Kelly, Billy Hatcher, Freddie Benavides. That's uh, all Reds coaches who uh, interviewed as well. And uh, Dick Williams said that there's one other one. He wouldn't tell anyone who it was, but there's one other that they're going to be meeting with this week. So there's a, a mystery candidate for manager. Ooh. Who could it be? Is it Joe Madden? Cubs manager Joe Madden? I I, I hope not. Oh, the Cubs want to, Cubs fans want to fire him. They lost in the wild card game. Yeah, they did. Tied for the best record in the National League, but they're ready to fire him. Um, so one other candidate, and I'm not willing to place bets on who it's going to be or who it should be at this point, but I thought it was interesting that Dick Williams, a Reds president of baseball operations, said that uh, after that they're going to narrow them down and do second interviews and wouldn't announce who those second interviews are going to be, but uh, they're going to begin next week. And uh, at this point no one's been told they're out of the running, and he had, wouldn't say how many candidates would move on to that second interview, but he said it will be cut down a lot. I'd be interested to see who that's going to be. But, uh, you know, uh, this process of, of hiring a manager, I, mean, I want to know what your thoughts are on it because, to me, we sort of have been raging for the last few months since the Reds fired uh, Brian Price as manager that the Reds don't sign Jim Ruggleman just yet. Do a big, pro, a big uh, search, interview as many people as you can uh, interview, and if Jim Ruggleman's the best available manager, hire him, but if not, hire the best available manager. And... Uh, Dick Williams, here's his quote. We started our process early. We knew we wanted to cast a wide net. I haven't done a search like this since I've been here. We felt like it was important to expose ourselves to different candidates with different backgrounds to find the best fit for us in our current situation. Don't want to rush through it. But to me, it looks like they're at least engaging in the process that I hoped they would engage in. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. They're, they're interviewing a lot of people. And I mean, you know, if you think about it, wow, I mean, they... They interviewed Prince, man. He's got some hits. Yeah. Wait, is that a different Prince? No, oh, he's the artist, the baseball coach formerly known as Prince. Formerly that's known as Tom Prince. Right? Purple Rain? Yes, that's the guy, yeah. Oh, cool. That would be awesome. <laughs> they should hire him. Yes, definitely. Um, no, Jason, it's Pirates that. bench coach okay. Tom Prince. Oh, that's not the same guy. Um, what I see yeah, that... They they do seem to be at least engaging in the process, and and I think that's uh, that's good. And you know, hopefully they they hire somebody worthwhile. I mean, what the word is that Farrell is the favorite. I think is last I saw, but it kind of sounds like I, nobody knows. And especially if there's a mystery candidate, then that makes me think that there's probably someone high profile who they're interviewing, and they can't release his name because he doesn't want to signal to his current employers that he might be looking elsewhere for employment. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Farrell is considered to be the favorite from lazy writers who just assume this guy's won a world series. I, you know, I don't know if there's any evidence that he's the, the favorite, unless there's something off the record they've gotten that I don't know about. And, and I would be actually disappointed in John Farrell as a, I know he won a world series, but uh, he was run out of town in Boston cause he couldn't, 
communicate with his young players. He's sort of an old school type guy that I don't think the Reds need to move away from. And uh, didn't um, I might be remembering wrong? I mean, um, what's which? Sorry, I'm spacing. What's who's the old Tigers manager? That the, is it, Osmus? Uh, Sparky Anderson. No, 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 no. That they interviewed. Yeah, Spark, Sparky Anderson. Chad. Chadwick. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, you mean the interview this time around? Yes. Oh, Brad Osmus. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he have a reputation of actually being pretty, like, saber friendly, but he just kind of got saddled with, like, the terrible team? No, I think so. And I think that's similar with, uh, that's, this, that's what's interesting to me is, uh, Charlie Montoyo, Rays bench coach. The Rays are famously, you know, pro analytics. In yeah. terms of what they actually do on the field, and you know they implement the, the these uh, these things the front office comes up with actually on the field, which the Reds really don't very well. The Pirates, uh, you know, Tom Prince is the bench coach, and, and under Clint Hurdle, you got to say he's been very receptive to doing whatever um, you know the front office uh, deemed to be necessary to to improve the team based on the numbers. Um, David Bell. Good piece at Red Lake Nation recently by Steve Mancuso, just showing that Bell some really good encouraging quotes from David Bell about what he's learned uh, working for the Cubs and working yeah, for the Cardinals. A, yeah. So you know, uh, there's some old school guys, but man, there's some guys as well that give you some hope that they're uh, open to doing sort of what Clint Hurdle did with the with the Pirates, which is like I've got to if I don't give in to this, I'm done. I'm a dinosaur and. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little encouraged at some of these names. If they go off and hire John Farrell though, or Jim Riggleman, well, you're gonna get the same thing you've always gotten. And you know, might as well hire Man, Dusty Baker back. Jim Riggleman. If they hire Jim Riggleman, they better come with a rotation of Corbin Keichel and Kershaw. Yeah, because there's no way you're gonna get me uh, excited about a team. Yeah, no, like no way. I'm. I am. No, no. You better spend eighty million dollars this off season. Bob Castellini, if you want me to swallow Jim Riggleman as manager. Yes, because then it'll be Chad and Jason on books. Chad and Jason on books. I like it. Yeah, I just read a book, Jason. Did you? I've never read a book before. It was fun. Was it called The Big 50? Oh, the Big 50, The Men and Moments. No, I wrote that book. I've never read it. Um, I read half of it, the half that I wrote. I've never read the other half. <laughs> uh, read a book called, uh, called The Risk Pool. You ever heard of that? Oh, book? How is that? I like I like Richard Russo. Oh my goodness, Jason, five stars. Excellent. It was it was really it was laugh out loud funny at times, but it was just I don't know. You I, re- we're not really I gonna talk about Richard Russo several years ago. I never quite got to that one, but um my favorite of his that I've read is uh Bridge of Size, I think is really an outstanding novel. Well, I'm gonna start working through his uh his back catalog, I guess, because we're not going to talk about books here, but I, he's the t- he's a, uh, about 10 times. And then I just had to close the book. I'm like, as a guy who likes to try to write, you know, uh, it just, it, it made me feel like I can't, I can never do that. He's too good. It's not fair. So anyway, um, wow. We really did start Jed and Jason on books. Didn't we there? Hey, it doesn't take much, my friend. It does not. Much. <laughs> I know that's your favorite topic. Just, um, just a little bit. Just let me go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to do that at some point. I'm ready. We're going to do that at some point, but uh, <laughs> but in terms of the managers, not a whole lot to say now other than, you know, they're kind of doing, looks like kind of the right thing, but uh, it's really going to depend on who they who they choose. And we mentioned uh, Steve uh, Mancuso, he also had another piece about uh, the teams that are still remaining in the postseason. 
And I think it's interesting to look at their managers. Craig Council, 48 years old, the Brewers. A.J. Hinch, 44 years old, the Astros. Dave Roberts, 46, the Dodgers. Alex Cora, 42, the Red Sox. And um, combined... So what you're telling me is that I'm too young to be hired. I see. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Combined three years of big league managing experience before they were hired. And uh, what they got in uh, common, former big league players... And, uh, you know, guys that are willing to implement the advanced analytics into what they're doing. Yep. Young guys who are recently out of the clubhouse who can communicate with players. And, I, you know, I think that's the direction the Reds need to go. You start, a guy like uh, David uh, Bell starts to look good. Even guys like Hensley Mullins, you know. I don't know what his uh, thoughts are on, in terms of analytics, but that's a recent player. Maybe the mystery candidate is Scott Rowland. Boy, that would be something. Scott Rowland. Well, we would have called that one on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but um, I don't know. I think it's uh, the Reds really got to go for a guy that's youngish and open-minded. That's that's all I'm asking. Youngish and open-minded. Are you youngish, Chad? No, no, I'm old. Okay, so that rules you out. My yeah. thoughts. You though? No, you're just young. Ah, but I'm old and dead inside. <laughs> well, that's what being a fan of the Cincinnati Reds can do to you. Jason, anything else we want to talk about? I think that's I think we've sort of beaten this one up pretty well, don't you I, think? I think we I think we have beat this already dead horse <laughs> into some bare and desolate ground. Do you feel any better about the Reds now than you did at the end of the season? What, two, three weeks ago? No. No, I don't either. They got to do something first before I decide how I feel. I'm st- I'm still trying to be optimistic. That yeah, and I mean I don't expect them to have done anything yet. Like nothing will happen until the World Series is over. But right, yeah. Let's yeah, do something yeah. good, okay, guys? Like, come on. Yeah, they've not let us down yet. 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 This is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number two hundred and thirty of the world's most dangerous podcast. Uh, I'm Chad Dodson. He's Jason Linden. I'm at Dodson C. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. You can find us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. At Red Leg Radio is the podcast's uh, the podcast handle on Twitter.com. You can find us at RedLegNation.com every single day talking about the Cincinnati Reds for better or for worse as we have since 2005. What uh, is wrong with us? <laughs> and that's been a bad stretch of Reds baseball by and large. Maybe we are the problem. Maybe, but, you know, when they're good again, no one's going to accuse us of jumping on the bandwagon. It's true. It is true. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. We're there at all of them. And uh, and as we always do, I'll ask you to leave us a, a rating or a review. It's one of those five-star ratings uh, at iTunes especially. It helps new people find us. But also the best way to tell to, for people to find us really is talk about us. Tell your friends if, if you enjoy us. Uh, as I always say... If you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Any final words of wisdom for us, Jason Linden? Joey Votto is dreamy. For Jason Linden and the dreamy Joey Votto, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.